Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a part of Gestalt IT. Each episode, we bring you the perspectives and opinions of a group of IT luminaries, experts in their field. I'd like to take a moment to introduce our guests for this episode before we jump into the premise, starting with Alex. Oh, hi, Tom and everyone listening. Um, My name is Alex Niehaus. I'm an Azure and AWS cloud infrastructure architect. Hi, I'm Karen Lopez. I'm data chick on most of the social media platforms, and I'm going to be approaching this about securing data the best way possible. Hello, uh, my name is Bruno Wallman. I'm a self-employed network architect. Uh, you can find me on my uh, website at brunowallman.com or the reverse of that on Twitter is uh, Wallman Bruno. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Let's jump into the premise for today's episode. If you've worked in enterprise IT for any length of time, you are aware that there are departments that handle a thing, whether it's the storage array or the network or the servers. There's this um, silo, if you want to call it that. And in that silo, we do the thing and we do that thing and we don't do any other things. And you just leave that to us and we'll take care of it. And that's been the mentality for a number of years. But there's one silo that seems to be contentious, and that is our friends over in the security department, because they have to see what's going on everywhere else to be able to keep us safe, sound, and secure. And that can raise the hackles of some other people out there. And this silo mentality is something that a lot of people have written books about that causes us to face additional challenges. So the premise for this episode is that silos are sabotaging your security strategy. So as we jump into this, I want to I want to kind of throw this question out there. What is it about the siloed nature of enterprise IT that makes doing security so hard? Because I mean, the the information that I'm looking for has to exit that silo at some point. Don't I just wait at the exit and say, "Okay, I'm going to take a look at it when it's here?" No, I'll 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 answer that simply, which is the attackers, the people that are trying to get into your enterprise, do not silo their efforts. They come in, they attack your network, they look around, they wait, they hit your apps, they hit your infrastructure. They have a holistic approach that you have to adopt if you have any want to have any chance of, of thwarting them or protecting yourself. So in general, I like that idea, Alex, because you're absolutely right that, that people don't think in silos when they're attacking an organization. But on the flip side of that, if I am reacting to what they're doing, isn't that putting me on the back foot already because I'm only I'm trying to adjust to what they're doing as opposed to getting out in front of them and using a more proactive strategy to secure my data to create zero trust boundaries. I feel like that just reacting to the way that people are attacking my infrastructure, as soon as they change what they're doing, I'm going to be back at square one. Uh, well, I don't want to. I don't want to dominate the conversation, but no, frankly, Tom, uh, I disagree. You know, let's look at a typical entry point for, uh, you know, malware. Right? It's a phishing attack. Right? So you're going to try and prote- protect yourself against a um, an email kind of uh, capability. But what the what the attacker wants is they want to get into. I'm just going to use the Microsoft environment. They want to get into your directory. They want to get into your Active Directory and and get out from that. You know, and Karen's expertise is data. I'm sure she knows that uh, it's incredibly dangerous for SQL databases that are accessed via uh, Windows-style authentication to be exposed 
to you know a um, uh, an attacker who has been monitoring what's going on in your network for six months through a phishing attack. So I, I, I you know I think your premise is exactly right that, that silos uh, and the typical IT approach to them um, where we have to where we had to have specialization to scale um, makes responding to today's security threats very hard. Like I also come across this, like I, I am aware, especially of state sanctioned or state sponsored external attackers. But most of what I do, especially like in the Azure SQL DB and the SQL Server world, is I also look at protecting the data from internal, both malicious and just idiotic things that happen. Um, and that's why but my security people are kind of accusing me of being a silo because I want to enable the features in SQL Server, such as always encrypted uh, um, ledger tables, which are also called blockchain tables and other database systems that make tampering very evident. So I, I'm glad that we're talking about this as far as external actions, but also internal insider actions where we need to be able to protect from that just as much, such as people snooping on customer or patient data. Those are just as important. I don't want to be accused of being a silo because I want to protect the data as close as possible to it. And I, I think with the, the silo conversation there, I think the other reason why silos make security different is there's there's a number of projects or uh, products that... Um, solve the same problem, but they can be implemented by different teams in the silo. Uh, let's use microsegmentation as uh, one example. Do you want um, the network products, your network itself to enforce microsegmentation? And for that, I'm thinking of a product like uh, Cisco ACI in the data center, or do you use an agent-based or host-based uh, solution to um, enforce microsegmentation and for products like that it's you know Cisco secure workload or a Lumio um, Gardacore things like that um, when you when you figure out who's gonna implement that it's often a disagreement between the server team and the network team about where that solution lives because ultimately they're there to keep the the lights on and the network team would want to see the server team implement agents for microsegmentation and the uh, Server team usually wants the network to implement microsegmentation, so there's that battle with, um, you know, cross uh, cross silo uh, solutions for security. I I think you're hitting on a good point here that a lot of the time we see these solutions that are being developed that are trying to solve security problems, but inside of that silo, it's almost like they're trying to cut the security team out so they don't have to to play well outside of that. It takes a massive, I don't know, paradigm shift, if you want to call that. Uh, I remember, you know, back in the old days, it was the server team and the storage team, and they were two separate teams, and then virtualization happened. And those two teams had to start working together because now those resources effectively became kind of commingled, if you will. So it's, it's very rare that you see a team that's only dedicated to doing servers or only dedicated to doing storage now. And networking is starting to undergo this shift as well. 
maybe not with the security team, but effectively with a wireless team. Because, you know, if you have a separate team, they're all kind of related to connectivity and things like that. But the other problem we run into is that even if those two, two teams don't get along, there's one thing they universally agree on. We've got to keep the security people out of our silos because all they want to do is walk in and make our jobs harder. What do you mean I can't have an ACL on this device that permits any any in any direction? That's just how it works. If I don't have that, then everything doesn't work. And you're going to tell me it's going to take months to solve this problem? I mean, how do we overcome those objections? For me, I've... Um... You know, I think I think we've all battled security a little bit. Um, recently, I've made friends with different security part departments because we've uh, combined efforts to get what we want. I, I've worked for, um, I've had customers that have network shops where they're sorely lacking in any type of uh, visibility, both into their application traffic and anything going across their, their network. Well, I need that visibility for... Um, sizing and performance and troubleshooting security needs the same type of visibility to um, um, view malicious traffic or, or at least look for indicators of compromise so by combining our efforts we were both able to get um, um, you know visibility solutions implemented at, at these various places so i think if you can find ways or common goals rather than a goal by security that may restrict you on the network side. If you can find those common goals that um, work towards the same thing, I think that builds the foundation of, uh, you know, better trust where then you can then get to those harder, uh, harder topics to discuss. You know, I think Bruno, you're on, you're onto something important though. Um, but it feels like a mismatch to me. And the mismatch is that you have these awareness tools, you know, Seams, for example, which just drowned you in data, right? And that forces the security organization to be fundamentally policy driven, right? And your, your IT organization is technology driven or infrastructure driven in my, you know, in my world specifically. And there's a, there's a cognitive tension there, if you know what I mean, right? Um, I've often seen in large clients a security policy implemented poorly in technology that doesn't doesn't deliver on what the security framework was attempting to implement. You know what I mean? So, for example, um, Azure Web Apps that have um, uh, application gateway OWASP uh, rules activated and an exception process to turn them off, but not any real understanding of why you have to turn it off for that particular application, if you know what I mean, right? But it's the pressure of, um, of delivering production applications that puts these two organizations at each other's, um, not at each other's throats, but there's a tension there, right? So awareness is what the security people want. Um, and uh, I think the technology people are able to deliver that, but in reams of information, you know, who's really watching all the data that comes into a scene. Um, so I think there, there can be too much awareness really, and too little understanding of the underlying technology. It's kind of, I think a fundamental tension. I think there's a lot of, of awareness, understanding, and the ability for a lot of engineers, whether they're on the development team, the DBA team or anything, of why security people want the things they do. So I do agree with Tom. I've seen that where the security people just have a rule and they just want it enforced, whatever. 
But I'm also dealing with things right now on a volunteer project where the developers are pushing back on whether they should be required to have multi-factor authentication, whether they should be allowed to develop on their own laptops, whether they should be allowed to do this, this, or this. And the thing I keep pointing out to them is you are breaking my number one security rule is you are using copies of production data to do dev and test. And every organization does it, even if they won't admit to it. And therefore, their laptop and all of their access policies should be the same because they're using production data. But no, I'm on the bad side there being on the data security team pointing out that if you want to play with production data, you have to have all the same protections and maybe more because you're taking your laptop on the bus and you're leaving it in the back of an Uber. I feel like the silos that we're talking about here, everyone, really have a giant, it depends on it, um, like all good questions. I think that we really do need to figure out how much is too much security and how much is radically not enough, but I'm biased. And I think that you bring up a good point here, Karen, about the whole, you know, these silos depend on a lot of other things because <laughs> we've learned over the years that doing tech for the sake of tech doesn't get us anywhere. You can build the coolest widget imaginable. And if there's no reason for us to have it, it just kind of falls by the wayside. Where we ultimately have the challenges is when the technology that's been developed has to meet the business use case. And that is the ultimate arbiter of what we do here. If the business use case for a thing is that we do it, then that's what gets done. Those business use cases drive the policies. For a long time, what we've said is that tool will only let us do things this way. So the business case has developed around the capabilities of whatever system we're using. Mm. But now that those are more driven by software and much more malleable to our needs, instead of going in and saying, okay, you know, how do we protect this flow? It's what does the business case say? Never should these two systems talk. Dev should never be exposed anywhere outside of this subnet. And we build mm. those. And that has given us a lot more visibility into the way that things operate because the stakeholders who create the business policy now allow that to flow down into the technical challenges. So could it be that a shift in the way that we're thinking about things, technical versus business use case, will ultimately destroy the silos that are causing these things to happen, but also unify them in a way that allows us to craft these policies so that it's not one size fits all, or you have to do it like this because our firewall only knows how to filter packets this way. I think that works to a point. Um, we were discussing earlier how um, shifting applications to the cloud fixed a lot of uh, network problems because the cloud does things uh, in a certain way and you can't, you can't change that. If you're running IT in your enterprise or running security in your enterprise, you know, it's potentially up to the loudest VP that gets their, their way and policy can, can change on a dime depending on, on who has the, the control or the best argument on that day. So I, I think that's a good idea to have uh, clear policy and things like that, but it's, uh, I see that being more malleable than, than what we were discussing earlier by, uh, you know, cloud, clouds can be rigid um, and silos and enterprises can't. I want to go back to a couple of things that uh, Karen said that really resonate with me. One, you know, the resistance to doing basic stuff 
in database management systems. It, it's just an incessant frustration. You know, you get a, a request to set up a, an Azure SQL database or a, you know, a, a managed SQL instance. And the, the guy who does it doesn't know anything, you know, the woman who does it doesn't know anything about um, uh, on-disk encryption and fails to encrypt it, right? The developers don't care, right? You have to go to, you have to go to extra effort to turn on um, uh, uh, TLS only connections, which is basic and required in any environment. And, you know, it falls between the silos, right? Because neither side really is focused on those kinds of things or understands the importance really to the other side. But my favorite of all time that I think Karen was talking about when she was talking about uh, developer resistance to uh, security is supply chain problems. I mean, how many times have we had a developer just import a uh, library or an object, you know, a, a Python library or, you know, worse, something from the NPM uh, library that is poisoned, right? Because of the name, uh, you know, that's been name poisoned. So there is a, um, there's a very deep silo uh, impact effect here, which is that unless you understand what developers are developing and how they're developing and how it interacts with all of the infrastructure that supports it, you don't have real, you don't have a very good opportunity to uh, approach security holistically. And it's a real problem. I think Karen's, you know, I like this. She keeps pointing out the data is the basic thing. And it is, it really, really is. But if you're going to think about the data as sort of the core thing that you want to you want to prevent uh, an employee from exfiltrating or you want to prevent a uh, attacker from obtaining, then you have to, you can't have a network guy set up a subnet in an AWS VPC for an app and just hand it over to those guys, right? Which is what happens. Um, so, um, I, I, you know, I'm getting passionate here because I think that what we've done uh, is partially economic. You know, we get people who are, who are, in their in their lanes in their wheelhouses and we have a value assigned to what those people are worth and we really pay them to stay in that lane um, what we need are we need generalists who've put 20 30 years into understanding database and application development and networking who are leading these things from a you know working with the security people i i i will stop there i know i'm pontificating well, I think part of the problem that we run into is that we need people who have a holistic view of that, that that are outside of that particular silo, but we don't respect their opinions when we do promote them to CIO or CISO or give them the capability to affect change in those organizations. Because, well, you may know a little bit about everything, but I am the expert in this one very specific thing. And in an organization, resources are always under contention, right? Whether it's resource, uh, you know, available hours to work on a problem or available money to buy things or available cycles to create stuff. We're always trying to balance what those things are capable of. So as someone who's a, a stakeholder in a business, I have to take the input that I need and apply it in a way that gives me the most return for my investment. So what are some things that I can do, let's just say as a CIO, to help 
lower the walls of those silos and create an organization that is more secure, but that isn't going to starve me of resources? I think the first thing you should do is be attacked by a massive state actor organ criminal organization, and then you learn how to do that really fast. So I'm being facetious here, but I can tell you of the organizations that I've talked to about these very famous breaches or attacks, that that's what it took to convince everyone that security is everyone's job. And yes, good security might slow you down as a developer or a um, DBA or a business analyst or even an end user. Oh, sorry. Yeah, what you make there is a good point, Karen. Hopefully they, uh, you know, can do something before they get attacked, um, you know, instead of, you know, plugging holes while the boat is sinking. Um, I was lucky enough to work for, a, you know, a customer that did just that, but it took these high profile breaches of other companies in, in our local uh, regional area that, um, you know, finally had, had the board and it was the board of the, the big board of the company, not just the CIO and, and the CISO or anything like that. It was the board that said, well, we, we better check on our, um, on our own security. So they brought in auditors, you know, forward thinking about that rather than waiting for their own attack. But yeah, unfortunately, um, Unfortunately, it might take an, an attack for those companies that aren't forward thinking. So I, I Karen, you're firing all the synapses I have left. Um, and uh, I, I, well, let me offer something practical. So change the way you write job descriptions when you're recruiting. You know, today, um, I don't know about you, but when a recruiter calls me or I, you know, I'm talking to a client about a potential contract. They want very specific silo things. I have not seen a uh, job description in a long time or a client where the the opening salvo, at least, is, you know, we're looking for someone who can uh, bridge these areas and help us get more secure. Right. So, I mean, it's it's it, it, it's economic. Right. Tom makes a good point. You have to get value from the people and the resources that you have. but you don't have to describe the resources that you have uh, the ability to acquire in the same way we've been doing for 30 or 40 years, right? You got to change what you, what you expect from people in order to get the kind of behaviors that we're talking about. Uh, so I think there's, you know, there's, there's that. And then there, you know, I worked, I did a job for a um, uh, now defunct uh, supplier of Medicare Advantage enrollment billing and claims a few years ago that was hacked and they didn't get the message. You know, they didn't get the message. They migrated what they had on-prem, which they thought was the source of the problem to Azure. And when they were done, they said, we're more secure. And I think, you know, anyone listening to this recording will know that that didn't accomplish very much. Well, it sounds to me like we've spent so much time focused on the walls that we've built in IT in these silos that we forget that there's things inside of them and there's reasons for them to exist. And rather than coming in like a wrecking ball 
or as an attacker, trying to knock as many of them down as possible. What we need to do is we need to have enough visibility to see inside of them and get people to lower those walls. We need to educate our users about the reasons why we do things, not just tech for the sake of tech, but there is a business reason behind it. We need to support the people who are trying to do things for the good of the company. And as has been brought up, we need to do that before some incident causes the company to make the news or be investigated or have to dip into the emergency fund to fix all of the problems that we've been whining about that need to be fixed for the last several years. Because ultimately, you don't tear down silos, but you can get people to disassemble them for you. That'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. I want to thank everyone out there for tuning in. Remember that we have a new episode of the podcast about every two weeks. So if you want to subscribe, you can always find the latest episode on our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also find us on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash video. Or you can search for the On-Premise IT Podcast in your favorite podcast application of choice. Uh, subscribe, leave us a rating and a review so that people know what they're getting into when they jump on here. Here's a hint. We always have a good premise. Uh, we'll be back with another great podcast very soon. And if you want to check out more great information, like the security topics that we discussed here, don't forget to tune in for Gestalt IT's Security Field Day coming your way June 28th and 29th. Uh, you can find more details at techfieldday.com. We'll be back with another great episode in a couple of weeks. Until then, see you soon.